Welcome to The Real Girls Club. My name is Lucy, your podcast host, and today I'll be interviewing Jacaria Garraway. Jacaria is a 23-year-old multi-hyphenated creative professional based in New York City. She is also an academic scholar whose research centres around Afro-surrealism, intimacy and black archives. She is known for her work as a visual curator, screenwriter and producer. Jacaria received her BFA in film and television production from NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. She has directed and produced over a dozen short films. We had a great conversation about how Jakaria started out in her filmmaking career, how she's coping in the middle of the pandemic, and her future aspirations for female filmmakers and much more. It's really great to catch up with you again and like it's been such a long time since um, we worked together uh, like a couple of years ago at the Cannes Film Festival on the internship. So just wondering what you've sort of been up to since since then. What have you been working on? And Yeah, since that time, I mean, that's a lot of um, space to cover for, but I think <laughs> I will summarize that by saying um, I had a really wonderful time at the festival. And so it inspired me in like numerous ways, but it just kept my spirits high as I was continuing NYU. And um, I went back to school with just a better sensibility and a stronger sense of empowerment and who I am and where I want to be. So um, after that, I just was working on different short films. I was trying to work, um, boost my portfolio. Um, I continued networking and trying to keep those relationships, um, hoping that you know they would become stronger by the time I graduated college and so that's basically been where I'm at uh, or where I was <laughs> um, after the festival. So have you you finished your degree now at NYU? You finished in the middle of the pandemic I believe? Yes so, um, May 2020. Okay so you finished literally like a couple of months after everything sort of started. How has it affected your studies and what you hope to do like post-graduation? Um Okay, there's definitely just numerous ways I've been thinking about this, but um, guess what I can say as far as like the biggest way that has impacted me is that it's made me realize that sometimes even when I plan things out completely, that it's not going to be what I initially um, have to look towards for my future. So I'm used to being very future oriented and planning everything out, but something like the pandemic I think even if I knew about it in enough time um, there's just some things that I wouldn't be able to account for and I had to learn how to be okay with that um, it, it's hard though especially when it happens just when you're getting ready to graduate college and then graduate college mm-hmm. and you expect all these different opportunities to come out and about but I think what's sadder about it was that it just seemed like I was really closer to what my goals were and then suddenly that was just ripped away and so I had to develop like all these new backup plans and ideas and strategies and it took away so much of the excitement from this part of my life that a lot of what I had worked for had been just put on hold and been delayed and wasn't able to be put into practical use um, Mm -hmm. as soon as I thought so. I think COVID just made me slow down in ways that I wasn't prepared for or ready to do. So have you found like new ways to work and have you like adapted to this sort of new way of working? So I didn't really focus on making new projects um, during the pandemic. Uh, I was really, so 
when it had first started in or first got um, to its highest point in March, uh, I was in the middle of editing my thesis film. And so once that happened, I, all the resources I needed to finish editing and do rewrites and stuff um, were of course not able to be accessed. So that put a really big stop on that potential project. And so after months of just being kind of in my feelings, um, I decided to revisit um, my um, thesis project. And so I just recently started finishing like the major edits on it. And so I feel like I'm in a comfortable place with that potential project, but I haven't really been comfortable enough yet to have new creative projects out there as far as film goes. But what I have been doing in the meantime is just freelance um, filmography. Uh, I've been the cinematographer, visual director and editor. And so I realized recently that I didn't wanna do another nine to five, especially during a pandemic. Um, I just felt like it wouldn't help my spirits up that much. So doing freelance cinematography and editing for people has been kind of comforting. Like I get to set my own schedule or at least like work around times and dates that they want that aren't too inconvenient for me. So mm -hmm. that's basically even what I've been doing for now. So if we can take it way back to before the pandemic happened and your graduation, um, what was sort of like the pivotal moment for you when you realized you wanted to work in film? Um, and it sort of propelled you to to go and study study film as well at one of like probably the best um, film schools in the world in America. <laughs> uh, so I like to say whatever people are like when it was the moment you realized you wanted to work in film. Um, I think of it as a series of moments. Um, just thinking about the power that film and television had on myself and my immediate friends and family as well as my community. I just think that there was always a feeling of wanting to be on the other side of that screen. And so I remember just different points throughout the years of thinking about film and movies and talking about it with my friends and family and trying to learn more about it and then realizing that I was talking to the wrong people sometimes, like they were just enthusiasts. And so I started to realize that film was partly a science, partly a business and all these other different things. So I started getting more in tune with um, different communities that knew a lot about film, at least from where I was at in Boston. And then I did my own research online. Like I taught myself how to screenwrite. Um, my biggest entry point into it though, was just realizing that I was definitely more art inclined. And um, I started off by being an actress in theater and directing theater. And then that eventually helped me gain more confidence into just transferring into film. And so that's basically how it started. What are the challenges as a filmmaker? And of course, <laughs> one yeah. of the challenges right now is the, the health crisis and everything. But aside from that, what are the challenges for you as a Black female filmmaker? Um, I'll start with the basic challenges as a filmmaker in general, then kind of lean into um, the challenges that come with the identity of the filmmaker. Mm -hmm. So my initial challenges are in the financial department. And the biggest thing is if you can't figure out how to get money, then you're forced to figure out with not much of a choice left, how to make the project with less money. And so a lot of different things happen there. Yes, creativity comes from innovation, but you know, I would once like to experience my like financial, a financially supported um, film project or a financially supportive um, 
set in general because I've just been so used to working with little to nothing in order to make like these things happen. And it has strengthened me as a filmmaker, no doubt, but it's just also made me a little bit more cynical about the access I have to different opportunities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Another annoying challenge comes from being so dependent on people who are not yourself. There's just been so many occasions that I had to take precious time out of the um, filmmaking process just to restructure how to shoot it because someone decided not to show up or there was a part of my team that I couldn't fully rely on. Um, There's just way too much trust involved and I didn't expect to be in such a vulnerable state so often during filmmaking. It's exhausting at times. I also hate getting a really specific vision for the film or project I want to make, getting super excited about it and then nothing I imagined or thought I would see actually appears on set or what I'm shooting mm-hmm. and so I've just learned not to have the final product in my head um, too often whenever I'm in the planning stage but I would say as a black female filmmaker a lot of the challenges that come with it are challenges that I could look at um, that other people talk about or the ones that I truly experience for myself and I think I'll just speak for myself when I say that comparison is the most annoying thing Um, so oftentimes um, black filmmakers especially in the minority minority aren't allowed to really be seen as individuals you're always seen as a part of a community like people often tell me like oh you're going to be the next Ava DuVernay and I really resent that a lot not because I have any hard feelings towards Ava but because I really need people to take the time to see um, what my potential career is going to look like and what my vision for films are Mm -hmm. before they really like just try to place me into the category with somebody else who I may have nothing else in common with besides being black and a woman. So I think that's just the biggest annoyance about it. You really have to go full out and you have to have this big break in order to be seen as one of those top contenders as a Black filmmaker, like a Jordan Peele, a Barry Jenkins, and a Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. You can't just be one of the few. You either are them or you are nobody sometimes. Because of course, Spike Lee was one of the, I think he's one of the lecturers at M- NYU. Did you, oh, yeah, he's one of the professors. Was, were you quite, um, I'm assuming like you were very heavily influenced by your teachers there and what was it like to be a student at that school? Like how much, how much has the, your education influenced your, your work? Uh, I will say that I actually was one of Spike's students um, during my senior year. Uh, he usually teaches graduate students, but I was able to get into his class just because he was open to having more students in general who are of color and especially black students. So that was a very engaging opportunity because I mean, having his office hours were not only funny, but very interesting just to see the way he worked and thought about things. Um, He's very scatterbrained, which is to be expected, but it's just so funny when you only have 30 minutes with him and half of it's about himself. And then you try to direct it back to your project and you kind of got to, you do, you have to do more work than you realize when you want to get information out of them. So I find that yeah. interesting. As far as um, other things about NYU, I really learned more from my other professors, especially my other Black professors. They were just so understanding and attentive to especially their Black students because they understood the different struggles and layers to what we were going through, not just at this institution, but what we'll be facing in the industry. 
I would say um, just in general about my takeaways from NYU that um, my film and television production studies at NYU just gave me discipline above all. I think that's mm-hmm. the highest thing I <laughs> took away from that institution. It was just humbling as an artist to be around so many peers that were so fascinating and talented at times. I don't need to be convinced that I'm a filmmaker. That wasn't what I went to the school for, but I did need to build up my skill set. And NYU did make me see that with a stronger skill set, I could be one of the great filmmakers in that bunch. And so I always try to have to shine my past work with new things that I picked up along the way from different learning experiences. And my biggest goal was to use NYU, as many as NYU's resources as possible to because I knew that whole experience wouldn't last forever. Like those four years went by quicker than I'm willing to admit was comfortable for me. <laughs> um, and it takes more than four years to truly discover your voice as a filmmaker and actually make the content you always dreamed of making. But I mean, it's a hell of a way to start if you use the best, um, if you make the best use of that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was really impressed with all the work you've done so far on your Vimeo and your YouTube. And But I, I really enjoyed the short documentary of Miss Glover, the teacher. I thought that was like a, just a really lovely like portrayal of what she does for these children and, and everything. And I really enjoyed that. And then yeah, you've done some great short films already. So I can already see like a common thread of the kind of style of filmmaking that you're going towards. And it did remind me of like Moonlight, just very much like realism, real lives of families, friends, relationships, this sort of thing. If I can quickly interject, Moonlight was really the catalyst for, um, so Moonlight was the first film I saw when I went to NYU freshman year. Um, Mm -hmm. We actually had a big screening for it. And I will say that after I saw that film, I completely just, I, I don't want to say change my life because I feel like that's a little bit corny, but I mean, that's the best way I can describe that. it. Yeah, that's the best way I can describe it at this point because I came in with not a strong sense of how I wanted to make films or what I really loved about it. And then after I saw Moonlight, I was like that, just that. <laughs> An essential moment for you to see that. That's amazing. What's your best memory so far from being in filmmaking and, you know, like one day or one moment where you just sort of thought, I'm so like, this is why I'm doing this. I'm just so happy to be doing like this as my career. Uh, a lot of my best memories working as a filmmaker day back to before I really went to film school and I was still at this like ex- aspiring state of filmmaking. And I was just working with my friends who were committed to being a part of my um, initial journey because they believed in me before I even got into NYU or was accepted into any film festivals. Um, I sometimes miss not knowing much so much about film or not being in an environment where my filmmaking was constantly critiqued or under a microscope because those early days of teaching myself different things and learning as I tried out um, or experimented with different aspects of filmmaking just produced a lot more enjoyment for me and dare I even say fulfillment (laughs) Um, than most of the work that I've done since then. Like I'm very proud of the work that um, I've done now, but it's just, it doesn't feel the same as when I really was excited about just being like in the early stages and in the process of committing to filmmaking in general. Maybe it was because I didn't feel like I had much to prove back then, but I mean, once I arrived at film school, I was suddenly one of the few Black female filmmakers. I was from a lower socioeconomic background. 
And I wasn't afraid to be vocal in class. And so a lot of that drew attention to me that I wasn't quite expecting to influence and impact the way I made films or how I went about um, getting my resources to make films. And I realized when I came into the school, I wasn't as experienced with handling film equipment as the other students who seemed to already be pros with this high gear technical stuff. So it made me come to terms that being a strong storyteller was enough to truly be successful at NYU. And I constantly felt the pressure to be like the full package sometimes, mm -hmm. or at least convince other people that I was. So I definitely say the more fun memories in this journey has been before the expectations were put on me. And how do you see the, the future for female filmmakers and going forward after the pandemic? Like, how do you see film evolving? The way we make films, for example, the film uh, Malcolm and Marie, which was shot during the pandemic and it was in one location and in a small team. Do you see this as like, uh, I guess, uh, a realistic way of going, going forward of making films? There's just so much... Um... There's so much to unpack with medical memory that I often forget that we're um, initially we're supposed to look at it um, as like, oh, this is one of the first films that came out of um, COVID and look how it was being shot. But, but there's more it, to it than that. Yeah, it, it's, it's more tumultuous for me. So I think I'll start by just addressing what I see and hope for women in the future. Um, what I really hope is that women in film look less for approval from the industry, especially from their male counterparts or their male audiences. I hope that the industry, as well as those who are gatekeeping presence there, um, step out of um, women's way and make it, and maybe even fund their work or support their ideas at a higher rate. Um, I'm ready to, to start seeing it, but I hope that women also continue building their networks among each other and their allies and produce and distribute work they actually wanna create and see more of. Um, I just want these women not to seek validation or wait for someone else to acknowledge their presence and invite them into the industry. Mm -hmm. I know that's certainly not one of my goals or how I plan to do it. It's just, it's not a fun game to play and one that frankly is set up to be unfair to begin with for us, especially minority women and women of color. I just really, hope that we can understand our own capabilities and our worth in, to cinema and the whole industry and move on from there. Um, learning how to spot when we are being taken for advantage and undervalued and as difficult as it could be, we have to definitely understand um, when a situation doesn't work from us and move on from there, even if we think it would have valued our entire career. Um, it's just very common for women to accept anything they've been given, especially when they haven't been given as much to begin with. And I'm just, so tired of seeing that recur so often, especially among women directors who just feel like they don't want to step on toes so that they can at least get some visibility with their work and with their careers. Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed that women of past generations put up and dealt with so much. And so it just doesn't make sense for us to kind of continue on that path or settle for less when the way has been paved for us to be able to see ourselves and put ourselves in higher positions and we have more resources and access to things now that can make filmmaking more accessible to different groups of people. And so just more choice and more options that all in all, I feel like cinema will need to be less male-centric in order to evolve and accept all these different gazes and backgrounds and amenities and accept that filmmaking looks different for everybody. There's all different types of ways to approach it. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, if you could go back to your younger self, maybe, and imagine like other girls that want to do something similar to you, what kind of like advice would you give her or them um, to, to continue doing something or to go into something like you're doing? I typically don't like to give advice necessarily because I feel like I'm still learning in that process. But if some, there was a kid who really was curious and wanted to ask, I would say that, well, I mean, I started off by just coming up with the ideas and documenting. I would say it's definitely very important to begin documenting your journey and understand how your mind works. I think people are so eager to rush into the process, start filming immediately and they start looking at things that are already out there and then constantly compare themselves to what they're not doing and feel like that they're not adequate enough to become a filmmaker. And a lot of that can be avoided if you just take the time, those few first years of when you first are excited about it to really learn and understand yourself as an artist. And for a little kid that might be hard to understand but they're kind of already doing that when they, um, start to realize that they like something. So I would just say definitely take your time with that journey and figure out different ways that your mind works because that can work to your, towards your advantage later and you'll have a stronger sense of self when it, you come into filmmaking. Filmmaking won't change you, you will change filmmaking. Because mm -hmm. your your um, films so far and your stories like Mothers or Like Mirrors are personal stories about your personal life. Is that where you draw most of your inspiration from? I try not to, but um, oftentimes you can't help it, especially if that's what's currently on your mind um, when you're in the process of having to create work. So when I had to create, I didn't have to, but when I created Mothers Are Like Mirrors, um, I initially didn't plan to go with that particular film idea. Uh, I just didn't want something that was so close to home, but I realized that um, I kept thinking about the relationship with my mother and I couldn't really get that um, out of my brain and I really wanted to, but it was like, I needed some kind of therapeutic way of addressing it. And so making a film about it was helpful for me because I could talk about the different sides and aspects of that, the, the, the dynamics between us without necessarily feeling like I had to directly address it to my mom or directly um, talk about it in a way that felt uncomfortable. I just wanted the people to see the experience and understand the layers in that way. Visual representation just did a lot for me as far as healing went. And so once I made letters are like mirrors, I had so many other people reach out to me saying that they related or saying that um, finally somebody like made a film kind of about the relationship between black mothers and daughters because it's so complex in many situations. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of layers that people don't discuss about it. So what have you got um, in the works at the moment? Are you writing anything new? Are you planning any films? Um, I suppose more you're edging towards making a longer film uh, or continuing with, with shorts? Uh, so um, shorts can be easier to get out the way for the moment um, as far as like production goes. And even if I don't get as much money, um, I can potentially just keep making um shorter ideas to get more recognition. But my goal right now, besides um, freelancing for other people, just to get my creative portfolio out there, is to really dedicate time to working on future ideas. Um, I thought when I was in college, I was gonna have like three scripts ready, but 
it was more time consuming than I thought. And especially with my perfectionist type of goals, um, I wasn't really getting the content that I wanted. And all my feedback for my scripts was like, such a great idea, such a great concept, but it seems like you're missing so many aspects of it and not really focused centrally. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to reteach myself again, how to really dedicate time to my ideas and give those um, the attention and care that they need because I'm really excited about making my first feature. So I definitely want it to reflect what I've learned so far and what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. And um, amongst your, maybe your fellow graduates and your colleagues, um, do you have anyone that you is worth to like worth watching for the future? Um, Women in particular, people that you think, you know, that yeah, this person is going to be big, for example, or this person is going to make waves in the, the film industry? Honestly, I think I'm not good with the name and name sort of thing, even though a couple come to mind. It's just that um, when you're so deep into doing the work yourself, you mm-hmm. often forget about stuff like that, or you try to concentrate yeah. on on yourself yeah the, you know, the group mentality I mean I would obviously put myself up there and I have a lot of my peers uh, mm-hmm. from NYU and from outside NYU who I'd consider putting on that list but carving out your own path as a non-white filmmaker is never really a choice so you just instinctively have to do it otherwise like I mentioned earlier you get seen for who you are part of a group and not as an individual mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of my peers and I are dealing with that sort of complex that we have to keep making this work so that we can be seen individually, but we do support each other as a group. So Mm -hmm. it's just relying on one another so that we can rise up together and not feel like it's so competitive amongst the few of us. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for answering all those questions, like just so well, by the way. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Jakaria. If you'd like to see more of Jakaria's work, then head to her website, garawayjakaria.myportfolio.com. Check out the Real Girl Club's Instagram page to see Jakaria's top five film recommendations at Real Girls Club. Thank you for checking out today's episode. See you in the next one.